Binverse Genius episode 67, Fortnightly Hiya Sports Nook. In this episode, Eric, Don, and Bruce Vogue III talk about things like bookshelf upgrades, YouTube channels including Uncle Roger and Mrs. Eats, and new sports video games like MLB The Show, WWE 2K22, and Cricket 22. Hey, if you like what you hear and you'd like to support us, you can go to patreon.com slash obg. Everything that comes in from there goes to cover our monthly podcasting costs, which we appreciate. Thanks. Uh, hey, everybody. Welcome to Inverse Genius Fortnightly, the show where we like to say uh, that once every two weeks, we play a game of tell and tell because you can't see anything. <laughs> I am one of your hosts, I am Bruce. Thank you so much uh, for joining us. I'm going to say me right this second because I'm 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 the one talking. Uh, you can find me on the wilds of the internet uh, at Brusco. Thinks most places that you're looking. Joining me uh, today on this show, I say, as if I'm only being temporarily handed the keys to start the car. That's really what this is. Uh, it's our old school original team. First, allow me to introduce to you the one, the only. The Donald Dennis. Why, hello, everybody. Uh, now, Bruce, uh, you act like you're not uh, one of the people who pushed this boat uh, off the pier and into the water. This is this is your baby here. Um, I'm going to say that uh, for as long as it gets you to you know keep showing up to record stuff. So I'm happy to be here. I, I would like to apologize to all the listeners for us being a day late last uh, time we put one out, but. Uh, I was uh, under the weather, and Eric was previously occupied. So, uh, but it was only a day late, which still makes this show the most on time of all the Inverse Genius shows uh, on a regular basis. So, hooray! And I'm going to introduce, speaking of Eric, the third person, the cool cat of gaming himself, um, the dulcet tones of tell and tell, Mister Eric Dewey. I'm sorry, Boy. Doc. Go ahead. Doctor, Herr Doctor Eric Dewey. Doc Dewey, as we like to call him when no one's listening. <laughs> I thank you very much. I feel like I have to have dulcet tones now. <laughs> it's well, like you smooth know. jazz radio. You're listening to KOBG. Nope. I'm Eric yeah. Dewey. You can find me at ericdewey.com <laughs> and all kinds of fun stuff there. And speaking of all kinds of fun stuff, we've got all kinds of fun stuff to talk about. Something. Well, I'm going to start just because I've got the mic. <laughs> I've got yes. the conch shell. Uh, I have now – Bruce is, is waving me oh, on. No, I was waving you on. I was trying yep. to be your first base coach and waving <laughs> you, you on. Go. Go, go, I go. thought you were being so, attacked by hornets. No. <laughs> okay. I have now watched almost all of the BBC ghosts and all of the okay. current uh, US ghosts. And mm -hmm. I – I, I like them both. I've enjoyed them quite a bit. There's a definite different feel for each one. Um, the ghosts in the British show tend to be a little more, um, they, they tend to be a little more uh, antagonistic to Allison, um, like not really okay. caring about what's going on in her life, you know, really kind of grabbing her attention. While the, the ghosts in the American show have kind of mellowed and tend to be working together with her. I mean, there's still obviously the plot issues that come up. And then the other thing is the, well, go ahead, Don. I was going to say my wish for these shows was that they had made completely different main characters for the two shows so that eventually they could have done a ghosts meet up across the seas <laughs> where they trade houses for whatever reason. And then they have to deal with the other people's ghosts, but that's not what we're talking about. You were still talking about something. Go right ahead. 
Yes, that would be that would be quite awesome. The other part is in the American show, the husband is much more clued in. I mean, he can't see the ghosts, but she includes him a lot more. Uh, in the other show, he's just kind of there. He, he, I haven't. I mean, I'm. I've got halfway through third season, and of course, you know these are BBC seasons, so each ep- each season mm-hmm. is like six or eight episodes. But um, he hasn't really developed a whole lot as a character. Um, so, but I enjoy them both. They're both wonderful. I like the actors in both movies or both shows, uh, yep. and it is kind of fun to see the parallels between the the two shows. So, you can't go wrong with either one. Cool. I'm going to jump away from shows for just a second and say that previously we had on Sean Torrance to talk about the glory and joy of 3D printing miniatures with his uh, Bingo Bobble. I don't remember what it was called. Bingo Bobble's workshop. Yes. Uh, uh, but right now there is a Kickstarter out for to support uh, uh, you know issues going on with the Ukraine. And you can go there. You can back them for 50 bucks. You get a lot, a lot of 3D printed figures that you can print off yourself. They're not printed now. But if you have a 3D printer, they're definitely worth checking out. And, um, you know, if you just want to think you might get a 3D printer in the future, you can throw 50 bucks at this Kickstarter. Help yourself while helping out other people. Go and check that out real quick. Um, so, Bruce, I saw you typing things in. What, what else did you have to talk about real quick? Yes. Uh, so, first of all, I want to note, I did buy one of his, like, Storm and Broccolis, which is awesome. Uh, also, as I'm sure you know, uh, Donald Dennis. Mm-hmm. Is that uh, if you're in the right library system, many libraries will print out 3D items for you. So it's possible if there's something in this Kickstarter you really love, you might be able to make that happen. Because I know I found out that my local library system will 3D print things if I send them the 3D printed files. Uh, which- I hate it. I hate it. I hate it. I'm trying to send my 3D printer to another library because it is awful. But then we hope to get a resin 3D printer, which will be mighty. So, yes. Just let that. it all hang out. Yes. <laughs> so the thing I wanted to note was, was since the last time I talked about it, the American Song Contest, as we're talking, ended last night. Mm-hmm. I will note that the final show, the grand finale, did do scoring exactly like Eurovision, except they all of a sudden threw their own scoring system out of whack by like 10x. <laughs> but <laughs> they did functionally stick to the look of it. So it felt a lot closer. Uh, no real surprises for winners, but it was nice to see like a full production value. And it was nice to see the like presentation of the points. And then uh, it goes off the rails because it's equivalent to in Europe. The like the professional judges have 50% of the vote and the European public has 50% of the vote in the American song competition. The judges have 10% of the vote. Oh, America has 90% of the vote. It is difficult to trust America with 90% of the vote on anything, let alone on something that matters as little as the American song contest. Um, Yeah. Yeah. How'd that go? Uh, you know, I would say, um, I don't want to spoil it in case you're out there and you're thinking of watching it and you want to see it all with fresh eyes. I will say this. If you know anything about internet voting, and you watch the competition, you're like, oh, if uh, 90% of the vote was by the internet, I think I know who's going to win this contest. <laughs> and you're right. Uh, I said a lot of things earlier where I was like, oh, I think they're guiding this one person. That was when I thought the jury had a lot more say than they did. If I would have known from the beginning, I would have known who the winner was from night number one. Um, it didn't hurt anything. I think it was great. It was still fun. It's a worthy winner. It's well worth watching. Also, right now, literally as we are talking, Eurovision, real Eurovision is happening. Oh, um, if you have Peacock, 
You can see it in the U.S. Even if it's already passed and it already happened this week, you can go back and watch the replay uh, so that you can actually watch real honest-to-goodness Eurovision if that's a thing you're interested in. I just wanted everyone to know that. So what I'm hearing is that when we're done with this, I need to get Connie a gift subscription to the cock for one week so that she can watch it all. Yes, and and that's the thing. It, right now, we're on a Tuesday. I'm going to give up the, the production a little bit. Yep. Tonight was round number one of, uh, or today at three o'clock. It's, you know, night in Europe. Three o'clock was the first semifinals. Thursday is the second semifinals. Saturday is the grand championship. And they knock mm. it out in a week and it's over. So, yeah, if there's ever one week you want to get Peacock, this is the week you want to get Peacock if that's what you're trying to watch. Well worth your time, a lot of fun. Uh, but if you want to keep up, we've talked about it, or I've talked about it quite a bit, Eurovision. This is the week of Eurovision. Nice. And I'll say, if you want to hear somebody else talk about the American Song Contest, the folks at Pop Culture Happy Hour did an episode on it that I thought was interesting to hear. Sort of a complimentary view to the, the kind of thing that you were talking about on the previous episode, Bruce. So, yep. 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 Uh, Moon Knight. Have you all watched Moon Knight? Yes. Did you love I it? not. I officially liked it. Oh. Oh, okay. Well, anyway, I loved it. Bruce liked it. I think Connie loved it. She's over there uh, sleeping. Never mind. I'm not going to bring her on to to say. But, uh, yeah, go check it out. It's all done on Disney, Mm -hmm. um, which also brings me to Doctor Strange, which I saw. Did either one of you see that? Not yet. Not yet. No. Okay. Well, we'll wait to cover it on the show until everybody has seen it. I will say it is the most Sam Raimi of all the Sam Raimi's that you could ever expect to see from a Disney. Um, it is, it is not a superhero movie. It is more of a weird stuff happens movie. And, um, you can obviously see that they were sort of building the track as they drove the train down it. Uh, and it was a lot of fun and I really, really enjoyed it. So I can't wait to see a nouveau Iron Man pull off his hand and it just be a chainsaw. Um, <laughs> Well, you know, I, you know, I, I can't give spoilers, so I cannot tell yeah. you whether or not Tom Cruise was actually uh, a member of the Illuminati or not. So that's yeah. a different issue entirely. Of course. Um, but uh, yeah, so it was, it just had some of the most creative bits and it feels like, Hey, Disney is once again, especially between Moon Knight and this trying to do something different and not make um, another, you know, just plain old generic superhero punch up. Yeah. So nice. Pr- I appreciate that. Um, real quick, uh, air fryer update. Um, you sometimes you need more oil than you think you need. So I got one of those little misto, misto sprayers okay. to put oil when I'm making fried okra, because if you cook fried okra in your air fryer without putting oil on them, they turn into rocks and they basically taste like uh, rock corn meal. <laughs> yes. <laughs> they like do taste, taste like disappointment. Uh, but if you, uh, Use the misto and uh, spritz them enough with oil on the outside. Still less than you would if you were frying them in something. It is deliciousness. Those of you who don't like okra just don't know the glory. That's all I'm saying. And the last thing is, have you seen the new Mark Rober video? No. No. All right. So he goes to India and attacks scam centers. Oh, I know what you're talking about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) And literally does stuff to the scam centers. Gets bunches of them sort of shut down for several days. Um, Go check that out. That that is worthy of a bigger conversation. So I think we're done on, on catching up with old business unless either one of you had another old business thing. I'm good. All right. Well, let's dive right in with, Hey, Eric, 
Yes, you have something exciting to talk about. What is what are you really jonesed about right now? So I was stumbling across one of these on Kickstarter, and then that led me down a big old rabbit hole. But what I am talking about are these mini alley bookshelf uh things. It's really hard to explain, but basically pretend you have a, bo- a hardback sized book, but instead it's it's basically this little hallway that you look down and you can kind of see this this alleyway or something. And of course they have them decorated in various ways like uh, you know, Harry Potter's alley there or uh, like a crime scene and you know with a little little dumpster and little chalk outline and stuff like that. Um, just some really exquisite neat little things with led lights then you just put them in your bookshelf between different hardback books and it's like a little scene inside mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. so the kickstarter that i stumbled across is mini alley and they have like cyberpunk themed ones going yeah. right now um now i will say they were more than i wanted to pay it was they're looking for like 230 bucks i think for them uh i certainly think the artistry that they put into it is worth it uh, but not mm-hmm. necessarily for me, especially with access to a laser cutter, because I'm sitting here talking to my wife. It's like, what do we want to do? Let's design some stuff. Uh, so yes. I'm real excited about kind of seeing what I can, you know, what we want to do. I think uh, there will definitely be a Street of the Shades, Vonkamore Pork, uh, in on our Discworld bookshelf. Oh, that goes that goes on the bottom shelf of the bookshelf, like. Down where nobody ever goes is, <laughs> yeah, is where right. the shades goes. It's like, you know, that's, that's where the shades is. Um, and then Sudopolis exactly. Yard would be up top, right? Yeah. Right. Exactly. So I'll jump in real quick and say that if you want to see some of the stuff that Eric is talking about, I know that the folks at NerdForge have done one, that uh, there's been one on Adam Savage Tested, that they did like a Star Wars themed one, and they also did a, a Narnia one. Um, and so these are great. We've been talking about putting them in our library, but I keep getting distracted and never building them because I've got so much other stuff going on. But, but Eric sounds like you're going to make one and then I'm going to get the files from you that's and make exactly, one as well. <laughs> that's exactly right. Uh, it, but just look at, you know, on Etsy, the, if you can search for these kind of things and there's quite a few of them as well. And, you know, I'm trying to decide, do I want to put a 45 degree mirror? So it looks like it kind of curves around the corner. Um, <laughs> you know, there's just so many choices here. And, uh, and, and, and frankly, actually on Etsy, there's a few people that just have blank ones that you can then fill in however you want. They're like 10 or yes. 15 bucks. Um, so I don't know the best way to call what to call these things. Book nooks seems to be the word that's kind of used to describe them. But if you have a bookshelf with lots of books, and if you're listening to this show, I can't imagine you wouldn't. Um, it's this, these are just so cool to kind of slide in there. I, I think, uh. I'm really looking forward to seeing what Amy and I design. And I will, of course, share pictures once it's completed. And files. You'll share files. Well, yeah, sure, sure. There you go. All right. That sounds exciting. Are you going to put like electronics in yours so that they light up as well? Or you could think you may go and get one of those vape pins so you can have, you know, the foggy streets (laughs) of Ankh-Morp work? Or or what are we looking at here? So so no on the vape pen. I'm just not going to go down that alley. But, you know, cotton, cotton can be like fog, right? <laughs> but I am definitely looking sure. at some LED lights in there. Um, you know, it, it really amazes me just the kind of stuff you can do with the laser cutter. You know, originally I was looking at doing kind of those layered cuts where it's like six or seven different layers. Like, oh, here's the tree. Here's the moon. Here's the sides, you know, and they kind of stack mm-hmm. up and make some neat depth. But now, I've, mm-hmm. I've, you know, 
pitched that idea and I've dove into a whole other, you know, whole other uh, place. So we'll have to see what I've come up with. And I certainly have ideas of coming up with multiple things, you know, it'd be great to have like a little um, 221B Baker street type thing, you know, to put next to the Sherlock mm-hmm. Holmes books, et cetera. So uh, the problem is, is of course, Again, like everyone who's listening, my bookshelf is pretty darn full, so I don't have a lot of room. To put these <laughs> in. But uh, stay tuned. I that's that's something I'm going to dive into. But yeah, hop over to Etsy, type in Book Nook, all one word, and, yep. and kind of see some of the stuff that comes up. One of the things we did was when we were doing our big fairy door projects, is we just instead of making a book nook like that, we just made book fairies. So we slapped the door on the book like a set of books there nice. and we put all the decorations are in. So it looked like they'd made their homes in their books, um, which sounds like the exceptionally cheap and easy way of doing um, all the stuff you're going to make look much cooler and much more professional, but uh, I can't wait to see it. Yeah. Plus, this it's, seems like a, a perfect time to start looking at dollhouse furniture. Oh, wow. That feels like you're, that could get you three quarters of the way to the goal pretty abs- easily. <laughs> Absolutely. Would be a couple pieces of dollhouse furniture. Hmm. I don't know. That sounds like cheating. No, there's no, no such thing. No, <laughs> that doesn't exist. As long as exactly. it looks awesome, there is no such thing as cheating. Right. Actually, what I really think is the dollhouse will be too big for the scale that he's going to. He's going to. That do may also be true because his, well, his shelves you, but are. But then you move into. Full. True, but then you move into like train stuff. You look at HO scale or O. Oh scale yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah that scale, would work. I should say. So, yeah, there's whole sections of Hobby Lobby and Michaels that I now will be looking at. (laughs) Nice. Right. Whole new sections. Yeah. (laughs) Okay. Well, under the eternal theory that Bruce is always the most entertaining person on any show he's on, I'm going to go next so that I don't have to go after Bruce. (laughs) (laughs) So one of the uh, longstanding traditions here at the Dennis household is that uh, I grab the remote and I put on YouTube on the big old TV and I force my wife, you know, a very tolerant person that she is to watch, you know, some YouTube videos. And so over times I've forced her to watch how ridiculous, which is basically Australians dropping things off of other things um, or trying to make the most times you can bounce a thing and still get a bullseye and darts, whatever it is. She, for good reason, hates them because they are screaming maniacs um, and not good on her nerves. Uh, but we have found a couple of channels recently, actually one not too recently and one super recently, Mrs. Eats. Are you all familiar with Mrs. Eats? Not at the least. No. Okay. So Mrs. Eats um, is from Japan, and she is basically one of those channels where she talks about, oh, here's the difference between Japan and here's in America and here's you know, food that you eat in America, how gross and horrible it is, or this is amazing. And here's, here's why, um, uh, you know, going to the bathroom can be a dangerous thing in winter. If you're in Japan, you know, and all of these, these different things. And it is, it is quite the cultural exchange program. So if you're ever thinking, I wonder what life in Japan is really like you, you sort of get the feeling through her explanations and her skits, um, what her and Mr. Eats, uh, her husband have gone through because uh, he's not from, uh, you know, rural Japan. And so the, the cultural miscommunications there is hilarious. And then they bring it back to us. Well, she did a video where she was watching a, another comedian who has a persona known as uncle Roger mm-hmm. do a takedown of 
a Jamie Oliver doing fried rice, making fried rice. Yep. <laughs> and I was thinking, okay, well, it's Mrs. Eats. We'll watch it. And we watched her video of her critiquing the, yeah, this is for fried rice thing. And well, they must do it differently where he's from uh, versus how they do it in Japan or, or what have you. Um, and it was all very educational, but like, okay, we now have to go and consume everything that uncle Roger has ever put out uh, because uncle Roger is uh, a character that um, uh, Nigel, Nigel NG, I guess is uncle Roger. And he has this character that he started at the beginning of the pandemic. It sort of seemed or real close to the beginning of the pandemic yep. where um, he is everybody's annoying uncle from whatever part of the world he is from. And it is, I don't know exactly what country he's from, but he's like, people complain about him being racist. And he's like, I'm not being racist because this is my culture. And this is exposing people to how some of my my folks think there's a great, a great article on it, but he will watch Gordon Ramsay. And he's like, Gordon Ramsay has two walks. This man, he's more powerful than I will ever be. And <laughs> he just, he will watch other people's videos. He talks to them. He's done somewhere he's gone and he's actually worked in, in restaurants and he will harass the customers mercilessly. Um, uh, Bruce, you're familiar with uncle Roger. What, what, what do you I think? Sure, about this? I sure am. I think he's a lot of fun. Uh, now, there's one where, so at one point he actually met Gordon Ramsay. So there's one where he's actually met the man. I haven't Gordon seen Ramsay that yet. Gordon gives him one of those like hex pans where it's a nonstick pan, but you can shoot it with a gun and nothing happens to it. Mm-hmm. And then he goes and he says, you know, just because he gave me this pan doesn't mean I'm going to be any nicer to him. So he watches another video where Gordon Ramsay just keeps calling him out. Like, yes, he wasn't there. Gordon Ramsay's like, oh, I know Uncle Roger's going to try and ding me for this. And at one point, Gordon hits him with the flex of, I guarantee you, I've been to whatever country it was more times than you have, partner. And he's like, <laughs> you don't need to come after me like that because you're rich, but you're not using a walk. Do you need to take the walk back you gave me? Because I'll <laughs> give it to you, Gordon. If you yes. need this walk so bad, I don't. goodness says I don't want to hurt you. Um, yes, but the, the takedowns are amusing every once in a while. And, and when I say this, I mean, every once in a while, they're a skosh pedantic, like to the point where you're like, OK, I get it. Jamie Oliver doesn't get it. You don't need to get him on every little thing mm-hmm. um, because the big things Jamie Oliver's doing wrong are so wrong. Yes. <laughs> you're like, you're like uh, you know, you really nailed him on some real legitimate, like doing that thing that a lot of folks do where you just like call food Asian. Yes. Where you're like, oh, it's Asian food. And you're like, you could have picked any country in Asia. <laughs> you could have picked any one country and focused on it. But you didn't. <laughs> you took pieces from seven places without knowing what you were doing. And that's most of what Uncle Roger is doing through a lot of these things where he's like, why are you calling it Japanese? If you're going to throw that in there, it's clearly Korean. Yes, yes, um, yes, yes. Well, which I think are fair dings. My closest experience to this is when I went over to England and uh, at a convention, and the guys were like, let's go out and get American pizza. So I'm like, <laughs> sure, let's go out and get American pizza. And we found a place that was called American Pizza. Good start. And it was the worst pizza that I have ever had. And I lived upstairs from a Little Caesars my uh, when I was a <laughs> freshman at OU. Um, it was truly horrible and it was nothing like american pizza but i think that's just something that that the um british just like to do is go in there and say well i have been i have flown over 
India. I'm going to make a curry. <laughs> I have invaded this country over here. I'm going to make egg fried rice, whatever it is. And yeah. then, then they call it like that. And he does a great job at sort of pointing that out without necessarily getting into the specifics of just sort of how warped the British palate is because he's coming at it yeah. from this is horrible on my point of view, not the, well, the British want something that feel a little exotic and they're going to make this kind of thing. So it's a lot me, of fun. That reminds me of uh, the Netflix standup of Phil Wang, who of course was introduced mm-hmm. through Taskmaster. It's called yep. yes. Silly Wang Wang. But anyway, he talks about, <laughs> <laughs> he talks about how the British view Asia in two parts. There's the ones, the part of Asia that knows cricket and then there's the part of Asia that eats weird crap. <laughs> and so, yes, 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 yes. It's <laughs> kind of how they lump it into two things. So <laughs> sounds about right. And he's, and I think he's accurate. Uh, you know, yeah. so many comedians. <laughs> but anyway, so uh, Uncle Roger is hilarious. He's still relatively new in his fame. You know, less than three years where he's become particularly famous. He was able to leverage this whole. Hey, we're all locked at home, looking for stuff to, looking for stuff to do, um, and adapt to it pretty well. And, uh, so yeah, uh, I recommend you check that out. And also Mrs. Eats, uh, if you're looking for something not quite so loud and boisterous because uncle Roger spends half the time yelling at his TV while he's on camera. And so two completely different feels. Indeed. So that's it. Uh, Bruce, what have you got for us? I hope you got something exciting. So I'm going to try. I have a feeling that I'm probably pitching against the general uh, likes of the crowd here. Um, But I so as a kid, I played a lot of sports video games. Okay, so what we're thinking about is, is like NBA Jam was Mm -hmm. a big game for me in the arcade. It's NBA Jam probably got me to watching basketball far more than basketball got me to playing NBA Jam. Sounds Real accurate. quick, let me put a pin yep. in that for a second. In our children's ministry area, uh, you know, on Sunday school, they have yep. a little mini arcade, and one of the little, you know, one-up machines is an NBA Jam, and it is so funny listening to these kids picking characters that were born. I mean, you know, they're born in. Mm-hmm. I guess they're 10, so, you know, 2010. 20, 20, uh, and, like, yeah. Barkley is sort of, like, one yeah. of the few they know. And then there's just a whole bunch of people they've never heard of. Oh, yeah. They're like, oh, man, Latrell Sprewell. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, absolutely. Penny, I'll take Penny Hardaway. I've heard of Shaq. <laughs> exactly. Anyway, I didn't mean Someone to named Pippen. Yeah, whatever. Exactly. Someone yeah. named Pippen. Wasn't Jordan on one of these teams? Uh, by the way, no. He was on none of those teams because of licensing <laughs> issues. He was not in NBA Jam. Uh, you, anybody that ever told you they were in an arcade where they saw a Michael Jordan lied to you. Um, I actually did an interview for the sports show that I do uh, very infrequently with the writer of NBA Jam, the book. Mm. He said the amount of like stories about NBA Jam that were lies. He said they're amazing. He said, I keep finding them. People come to me with them. And I'm like, no, that didn't happen. I've talked. He said, sometimes I've sent messages to the people that programmed the game. Because I'm like, did you hide this somewhere? And they're like, no, we hid two things. Everyone found them. We had to take them out of the machines we put them in. And that was it. <laughs> uh, but those are kind of that and like um, NFL Blitz and uh, NHL three on three, kind of those arcade games. And I played a, a couple years of trying to care enough about sports to play video games. And then I would get games that were like real sports video games. and I didn't care anymore. And then I stopped. I mean, and- my my sole experience with playing any video game that was a sports game was in television football. Yeah. <laughs> and 
um, I played that because that was still when I was, you know, young enough to care about playing football. I still didn't like watching it, but um, I got good enough it. I beat my brother, who's seven years older than me, so I considered that to be quite the challenge. And uh, and I, I gave up sports games pretty much ever since. It's like I have achieved the pinnacle, which is always whooping your sibling when they're actually trying. Yeah. So, you know, I would say that's very fair. The only reference you've missed in life, and if you watch enough Family Guy, you eventually got it, is in no. Tecmo Bowl, uh, yes. Bo Jackson was broken. Bo Jackson was so good, it wasn't fair to put Bo Jackson on a team. Bo Jackson could get the ball and then literally run circles around the other players and win. That's the only other thing you missed about sports video games of any importance. Bonos. And anything I'm about to tell you isn't really important either. But uh, we talked about a couple episodes ago, uh, who knows, a bunch of episodes ago, about the Xbox Game Pass. And I have it now, so that lets me try games I wouldn't normally try because they're free. Uh, one, I got WWE 2K22 uh, because I am a WWE fan and I paid actual money for that. If you are remotely interested in wrestling at any point ever, consider this game. The main reason I would talk about it here is because they've brought back what's called GM mode, which is essentially it is a board game about booking a wrestling show put in the middle of a wrestling game where you didn't <laughs> expect it to be. Hmm. Um, you begin... They, you pick who's going to be your, your general manager character, and they come with a special bonus card. You pick what show you're going to take on, uh, Raw, SmackDown, NXT, or NXT UK. They give you a special bonus card, and that's what they call them. And then you have a draft of all the people they have available. They actually change the cast you can draft from every game so that you don't have a set pool, so you can't like have a group of people you know will win. Mm-hmm. So they shuffle the deck every time and deal out like 50 new people for you to look at. Nice. Um, And then from there, it's a logistics game. You're going to book people to try and make the crowd happy by using a bunch of stats that are available for the characters. You're going to spend money to make your show better and upgrade your pyro and stuff. And you're trying to get more fans than your opponent. Uh, That opponent can be human or can be uh, the the AI. It will not play online. Oh, I I thought you were going to say could be humans or could be aliens or or Looney Tunes. (laughs) I (laughs) wish I hope they go that far. Uh, right now, Rocky and I, my wife and I have been playing it pretty consistently a lot. We are really enjoying it. If what you're looking for is like a board game experience, it is tucked in the middle of WWE 2K22, <laughs> which yeah. coincidentally is also a fighting game because it's a wrestling game. And mm-hmm. then there's also it's got like the trading card aspect, which is a new thing in games since last I played, where now you have to have a whole part of the game <laughs> where <laughs> you get trading cards and collect them. Uh, to, to do things with uh, different characters. And this is where I move on to MLB The Show. Yeah. Which is a game I would not have gotten on my own if it was not part of the Xbox uh, thing. So one thing I didn't know, and once some of you out there, if you play sports games, you're going to be like, well, Bruce, you clearly haven't played a game in 15 years. Uh, right now, I didn't know they did this, but sports games are just uh, RPGs. Career like, mode. You, you get gear... You, you uh, put on gear and make sure you have enough bag slots for all the things you want so that you can have, like, the right glove. And you change the glove if you're a pitcher because sometimes it helps your pitching and sometimes it helps your fielding. And you might want to get a special bat because the bat gives you plus six power and plus six accuracy. And you might want to get certain shin guards because if you're going to be a catcher, they're going to help you with this. And I was not prepared that this is where we got to <laughs> in sports games. Uh, 
the show does the same thing. It's like four different games bolted together. There's a franchise mode, which is like fantasy football, general manager, which is too much for me right now. I can't take it. Hmm. Uh, they want me to do, they're like, oh, well, you're doing okay in week number two. You should do scouting reports to the minor leagues. And I'm like, oh, this is too sports for me. <laughs> you need to get away from me. Hmm. Where's the simulate um, button? <laughs> exactly. And you can hit a simulate button, but eventually like people that work for you are like, hey, Bruce. Why are you not looking at pictures <laughs> out in Tuscaloosa? We need to buy some people. And I'm like, oh, you've already upset. It's too much like work. Uh, but that's in there. There is the fr- the uh, the trading card mode, which I really like because it lets you play the smallest unit of baseball available. It's like, hey, you need to get these points to get these money to buy pack card packs to make your team better, to buy gear and all this kind of stuff. So if you're into trading cards, it'll trigger all that. But essentially, it's like, hey, Bruce, uh, one point, Nolan Ryan pitched a no hitter back in 1992. You're going to be Nolan Ryan for two innings. You need <laughs> to strike out five people. And that's the whole game. If you don't strike out five people, your game's over. Or they'll say like my favorite. And I thought it was so heartwarming was for Jackie Robinson day. Uh, and if you don't know anything about this in baseball, Jackie Robinson broke the color barrier in baseball. He was the first black player to play in a white major league baseball every year. For one weekend, it's Jackie Robinson weekend. Everyone wears the number 42, which is retired on every single team in baseball. And it's a whole thing where we celebrate that we integrated baseball. In the video game, they're like, hey, it's Jackie Robinson Day. Here is, you know, like uh, ostensibly 35 American dollars worth of gear. You have to be Jackie Robinson for one at bat and get a hit. If you get a hit, you successfully broke the color barrier, and here's his outfit and this and an extra player on your team and two bats and a glove, and, and it's all Jackie Robinson branded, which I thought for a game where you're trying to do that kind of stuff was a very uh, touching tribute because it's just get one hit. All you have to do is make that first step to history, and you get the whole thing. Um. Hmm. I, and then it's also got like a one player RPG mode where you're running around and like trying to be a pitcher. I'm actually on the Tulsa drillers right now. Uh, my name the is drillers. Choo Choo Train, <laughs> uh, which, which they say it's programmed in. They actually announce me now pitching number 41 Choo Choo Train as I come <laughs> in uh, to like a Dr. Dre song. That's funny. Uh, and you know, then in that, like I said, you play that. People give you you have forking options of how you want to continue your career. It's really kind of cool. Yeah, I uh, again through Game Pass downloaded F one twenty twenty, the Formula One game. Yep. And so I was playing. You know, I was like, oh, I just who I, I expected to pick my driver and go off in there. And they do. You can do that. But of course, as you mentioned, they've got this whole career thing. So I am not only the driver, I'm also the team owner. And they always make a big deal about, oh, the team owner, team driver. And so I've got to, you know, do R&D on the car and I've got to find yeah. another driver and I got to keep my my bu- spreadsheets balanced, my budget balanced. Oh, and I need to go do the racing as well. Yep. <laughs> and then, That's yeah, occasionally. Yeah. And, and like occasionally they'll do the same thing like you mentioned. I had to drive like a 1997, you know, Japan two or three laps in an old, you know, and the whole car changes and, you know, how it works and everything. And yeah, it's it's a lot more involved than I was anticipating. <laughs> yeah, And I think for the better, um, you know, like I said, especially for uh, for the show, it really wants you to play just whatever the smallest unit of baseball is you're invested in. 
Do you want to play half an inning? Good. As long as you care anything about you, as long as you can tolerate baseball, there's something in this game for you to be half an inning. Do you want to live the story of somebody? Sure. And like, there's things coming. What team do you want to sign for? And then a pitching coach is like, well, I really think what you need to do is move on here. And you know, it's, it's giving you those, those, some of those forked decisions, although not a huge, not a, not an RPG decision tree, but it's giving you decisions and trying to look as much like sort of what modern role playing games look like as it possibly can, and still be a sports game. And I have to say, once again, I know I'm a few years back on this. I know for a lot of you, this is not news I'm reporting. But mm-hmm. it's really kind of cool to see. Um, I Once again, the phrase I like to use, I don't think it's changing your religion. Uh, if you're Donald Dennis and you hate football, I don't think you're suddenly going to go like, I love football now. Right. Uh, but I'll <laughs> tell you, as a person that tolerates baseball, I'm very much into this because it, it gets me my fill of baseball. It gets me my five minutes of baseball I can tolerate. And then it lets me go. It's like, hey, Bruce, go have some fun. We'll see you tomorrow for five more minutes of baseball. And <laughs> I'm really impressed by it. Well, and Madden and NBA are some of those popular games that we have at work. So mm-hmm. that's that's particularly cool. Um, now, just remember, to get some of the EA games, you have to go to the EA Pass, which you also get part as part of the Game Pass. Yep. So you might not see them all in the Game Pass games. Um, it's weird the way that they do that. Yeah, you uh, have to look through. And then one other, I know you asked me about it before we started, was Cricket 22. Oh, yeah. And if you ever wanted to learn cricket, this is a, certainly a way to do it. Um, <laughs> even knowing the rules of cricket, they try to tell me what I'm supposed to be doing, and I don't get it. Mm. Um, I'm an awful batsman. I took one of the best teams in the world and got like three outs immediately. And I know there's more outs in cricket, but I just stopped. Uh, but it will give you an idea. Like it kind of shows you the physics of what you're supposed to be doing. And they'll go into explaining all the different types of hits and why you would try to hit behind you and why you would try and like, why you wouldn't just go for a six every time. Um, so it re- it's really kind of neat. Although it also does show you uh, the show shows you what it looks like when you have all the money on earth to make a sports <laughs> game. Mm-hmm. And Cricket 22 shows you what it's like when you have a few bucks to make a game every two years. <laughs> um, and it is a huge difference in the two uh, in production quality. And that's not to say Cricket 22 is not bad. Uh, the you know the stuff it's trying to do works out pretty well. But when you compare it to something like the show, you're like, right. oh, this is a whole this is probably an entire zero difference in money. This oh, at least <laughs> digit different. <laughs> as far as money in this game goes. But uh, very cool. If you have Xbox Game Pass, I would say, and you can tolerate sports, um, games like the show are worth at least like noodling with for a couple minutes. And and I also picked up uh, F1. Yeah, 2020. Was that the one they had available? Yeah, they just came. Uh, you know, I was... 2020 or 2021. Yeah, I was like three races into 2020 when 2021 came out. And I was like, well, I'm already committed to this. Let's just finish this one out. <laughs> And that's and then, the one bad thing about the Game Pass is that we've had games dropping off now because it's been, you know, a thing for long enough. They're like, oh, this is no longer on Game Pass. So if you see a game that you like, give it a try. Figure out if you want to dedicate the time to it as quickly as possible and, and have fun with it. Don't I mean, don't stress out about it, but don't plan on it being in your long term collection for the next five years. But on the other hand, after it's been out for a couple of years, you can probably pick it up pretty cheap. So, and I've noticed with some of them as they're coming off of Game Pass, they do sales at the very end, like in the last week of them being on Game Pass, mm-hmm. you can usually pick them up through your Xbox Gold for like, you know, between thirty and fifty percent off. Nice. With the ones I've had where I had it and was thinking, I was like, oh, I don't know if I'm going to keep it. And I'm like, eh, no. And the sports ones, it seems to be they just change at the new season. 
that yes. the yep. new season comes out or and that's when they switch them off. So it's if you were really dedicated to the old one, spend the eleven dollars and buy it. And if you weren't, just move on to the new season. Nice. Well, that's excellent. I think we've talked about a lot of exciting things today. Uh, are, are we ready to wrap this up? I think so. I think so. I, I wouldn't have rushed so much at the beginning of the show if I knew we were going to be done in less than 40 minutes. Well, this, this is our perfect time. Well, but, uh, if we have just five minutes, I have a, I have, I do have a question for Bruce regarding WWE. Uh, yes. I, okay. I saw that there was an Undertaker pack. Was that like a pre-order yes. bonus or something like that? It's a so, pre-order. You can buy it now, too. It gives you all... Uh, seven under, I don't know how many under, so iterations. Many <laughs> uh, it gives you, so there's a thing in wrestling. We'll cover it real fast. I'll try to be quick about it. But like uh, the same person is a different person if they wear different clothes. <laughs> it's that simple. <laughs> if the guy who plays Undertaker, if he wears one outfit, he has a different move set. He talks differently. He does different things than if he wears a different set of clothes. Hmm. And the, the pre-order was like one version of old Taker with the big hat and like the gloves from the West where he would wear the purple gloves. Yeah, and then there was another yeah. version that was like uh, somewhere around WrestleMania 20 where he had like the MMA gloves, but he also had the hat. And then there was another version that was like the 2006 version where he was like a full MMA dude and came out on the motorcycle. <laughs> yeah. The, the only thing I don't like is, is if you remember that period, you know that the song he came out to was by none other than the songbirds of our generation, Limp Biscuit. <laughs> and he definitely does not come out to Limp Bizkit because the only thing that was cool was he would he would rev the motorcycle and you would hear rolling, rolling, rolling. And it was just it was a moment. It was a vibe. And he does not come out today. He comes out to like some other song. I guess they played once for him. Uh, but yeah, there are three Undertakers. There's two Alexa Blisses. There's like four of The Rock. There's yeah, there's a lot of characters. And what, what, nice. what amazes me about The Undertaker, because when I was watching wrestling. It was early nineties when I was in college, late, mm-hmm. late eighties, early nineties. That's, and, and that's when he first came out. And yep. the fact that he basically did it for 20 years and never quite reached that, you know, John Cena, uh, Steve Austin, uh, rock, you know, Dwayne, the rock Johnson level of thing. He, he's like, he's just like one of those. I'm trying to think a few of the other ones the, like the, who's the giant guy. The big mountain. Andre the Giant? I'm not talking about Andre. You're talking about. No, no, I'm not talking about Andre. Yeah, the big show. You know, like one of those guys that just kind of just works it and is, I don't know, I guess he just loves wrestling or loved wrestling and, you know, he's just always. Or or enjoys money. Or enjoys money, yeah. Taker was printing money. Yes. Uh, And finally, now that he's retired, he's like, he's willing to go out and like be a person and do interviews. But for 20 years, he was Undertaker everywhere he went. Exactly. Uh, That was crazy. Yeah. Yeah. He All opened right. so many shopping malls. Right? <laughs> the Venn diagram of where Bruce and I can talk about wrestling is pretty narrow, so I wanted to jump into the into the cross <laughs> there when I could. By all means. I, I am enthusiastic about your enthusiasms, whether I care about it or not. Very good. So. Very good. I would use that to once again hammer home the point. If at any point you liked or tolerated wrestling games... This is one to check out. They've made the buttons a lot easier to deal with. It's not as hard to like do things. So you don't constantly feel frustrated because you can't do anything. The entrances are like worth watching. The problem is they're like Roman Reigns' entrance in this game is two minutes long. Wow. Uh, <laughs> so you're watching and, it and once. <laughs> and I've sat there and watched it. 
He, he <laughs> walks slowly. He upsets the crowd. Hulk Hogan's entrance is a full two minutes. Hulk Hogan takes the time to like do the whole thing where he twists the arms to the crowd. Oh, yeah. Uh, I, I have to do my daily thing where I mention that Hulk Hogan, uh, Terry Bollea is garbage. Hulk Hogan's an American hero. Uh, Hulk Hogan <laughs> is in this game. It's why I can cheer. Um, but yeah, it's cool to see the graphics are good enough that you really like it's real close to television. Uh, worth checking out once again. If you've ever had that kind of inclination, you can get near a copy. You should you should take a look. Nice. Perfect. All right. Well, check back with us in two more weeks where we'll have another episode of the fortnightly out. Guys, thanks for chatting with me. Uh, I'm Donald Dennis. I'm Bruce Vogue. I'm Eric Dewey. And uh, hey, this has been the Inverse Genius Fortnightly. Head on over to the inversegenius.com and check out all our other podcasts by all these fine folks. Bruce does the Party Gamecast. Eric does On Board Games. I'll sometimes join him. And uh, yeah, that's about it. Uh, uh, goodbye, everybody. Rock on. Bye. That's it for this episode of the Inverse Genius Podcast. The Inverse Genius Podcast is licensed under Creative Commons Attribution Non-Commercial No Derivatives 3.0 License. Thank you.